Hello. What happened? Well, we what I think we can conduct an experiment. So what I think happened is I looked up <laughs> rancid on Wikipedia. Okay, and, it, and you broke and, the internet. And I broke the internet. Um, I uh, wow, my internet is not working. It must be because I'm on Skype with you. I looked up rancid, and then I clicked on a on the thing that you were recommending. And and in the thing I was clicking on that you were recommending, it all of a sudden Skype went out. Now I don't I don't know if that Weird. was unrelated. It might be unrelated because now, but because now I can't find anything with Google. Oh, weird. So you might you might be having some. Uh, so Rancid broke the internet. They did. That is that's crazy. Um, well, that's too bad. But we're back. I was telling you something else, and I just started ranting, and I was like, Don, your your microphone's off. Don, where are you? <laughs> Don. Um, so, like, what, after Rancid, I was telling you about um, about some other music that I like, which is, have you heard of this guy, Willie Nelson? Willie Nelson. I think I have heard of him. He's, is that a guy? I think he works for uh, one of the food companies we know, Bill Nelson. No, I don't know. Um, I think you're thinking of they, Charles Nelson Riley. Char- yeah. I think, if, is, was he coach? Was he? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, Charles T. Craig Nelson Riley. Riley, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that was a great show with with uh, Dauber. Dauber, uh, yes. So, um, Willie Willie Nelson did this album. So again, Apple Music. I'm mm. I'm a fan of this because it's giving me stuff that I didn't know about before. And he wrote this uh, or produced this um, concept album in the '70s called Yesterday's Wine. Okay. Do you know about this? I do not. It's really good. 1971 concept album. Um, and it's got, it's got this, it's just fantastic. Like it's, I don't know why I didn't, I, I'm a, I'm not a, like, uh, you know, have everything that Willie Nelson has ever done. I like his hits. I saw him at Farm Aid a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I played with uh, Neil Young and John Mellencamp and it was, it was fantastic. Willie blew my mind at 87 or whatever he was. He just, he played until we had to go home. Um, it was, too, but, but, um, I, I had never heard of this, uh, um, this album before. And I, I've started listening to it and it's fantastic. Check out yesterday's wine. Do you yeah. have, are you, are you subscribing to the, to the Apple music still? Like, did you do it? Did you do the, uh, the, 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 thing? the free three month thing? Yeah. I did not ever start the free three month thing. No. Um, you gotta do it. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I, no, I, I'm old fashioned. I'm old fashioned. Um, you know, while we're while we're talking about things with Willie Nelson that we like, um, I will recommend uh, Half Nelson. Uh, which, oh yeah, which is well, which is Jennings, right? Well, yeah. It, it's well, it's it's what it is. Is I again, my internet. Seriously, my internet is broken. I don't understand why it's not working because I can't I can't search for anything. Um, but it is it is it is a collection of Wilson Will blah blah. blah. It, yes, it is it is a collection of Willie Nelson duets. Hence the name Half Nelson, where he does duets with people, and it's it's fantastic. I know that uh, I know that one. There it is, Half Nelson album. Um, well, I wanted to say Waylon Jennings, but it wasn't. It was Hank Williams, mm. Merle Haggard, Neil Young. And, and are you waiting for me to talk, or are you talking? I was. I'm waiting for you to talk. Okay, I'm here. Sorry, I, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. Do you want let's, to restart your machine? You no, out? let's keep going. God, okay. this is horrible. Oh, that's, yeah. and you're. Are you at home? No, I'm you're, at work. At I'm at work. Rutgers. I'm at like super high speed. Um, you know, internet Rutgers. Yeah, yeah. Connected through my Thunderbolt. Not on Wi-Fi. Anyway. Bizarre. Yeah. Um, So uh, recommendations? 
Willie Nelson, Yesterday's Wine, Willie Nelson, Half Nelson. Awesome. Cool. Um, well, hey, let's – should we talk some food safety? We should. Uh, people are getting sick, Don. Are they getting sick? Are they sick and tired? Oh, they're sick and tired. It's, yeah, I think they're sick and tired of getting sick. Um, we we had some, some interesting stuff uh, over the last couple of weeks that I wanted to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about ta- uh, Costco and onions and celery, celery. and parsley mm-hmm. and, uh, and rosemary an and wine. Yes, and, and sage. Yeah, and, and sage <laughs> and, uh, and sages and the people like, like us, the, sa- the two sages of food safety. Yes. Uh, uh, so, so Costco um, had there, there's some interesting stuff going on on this uh, on an outbreak. Um, so it's a, an E. coli 0157 uh, outbreak, and it's um, was linked um, uh, epidemiologically to chicken salad that was mm-hmm. um, made and distributed uh, from is chi- ro- chicken salad with rotisserie chicken made and, and distributed by uh, Costco, um, and. Uh, there are a number of illnesses actually is evolving a little bit, uh, started out with, um, uh, five uh, illnesses. I think we're up to 17 now, uh, in a bunch of different States. And, um, early on in this, uh, in this outbreak, you and I had, uh, had some banter back and forth across the interwebs, mm-hmm. uh, about what it might've been because, um, uh, a lot, turns out there's a lot of stuff in, in chicken salad. Yeah, and um, um, so there, we'll link to a, a picture um, uh, that uh, was that accompanied um, some of the posts. That is a, a picture of a label on chicken salad. And here, let me read the ingredients: cooked rotisserie chicken breast, which has a bunch of things in it, um, modified food starch, chicken salad dressing. Uh, or, you know, which got soybean oil and acidified sour cream milk, um, mono and diglycerides, blah blah blah. Goes down eggs, um, dried, and then we get into dried parsley, sodium benzoate, potassium sorbate, uh, xanthan gum, and the last two ingredients: celery, onion, and it also has some allergens in there of milk, soy, and egg, and blah blah. You know, there's some stuff, but yeah, there's a ton of stuff that's in that's in chicken salad. So early on. Um, when we look at this, uh, this list you had thought, and, and I think was a good, a good guess, uh, on your part, uh, that, but, but wrong, but wrong, but wrong. But I mean, a, an educated directed guess, uh, mm-hmm. you thought it might've been the dried parsley. Indeed. Uh, and I had said, I th- maybe let's look at the, uh, celery and onions. Uh, and it turns out, uh, celery and onions are, are, are the, where, where it's gone. Well, um, and, and it's, and, but to be specific, it's not the onions, it's the celery, right? Correct. Or is it celery and onions? Well, okay. so this is, I mean, this is what we don't know, um, yet. What, what has happened is that there's been a larger recall. Um, actually let's, let's pull, let's pull back here a little bit. So Costco has some information. Um, Craig, uh, Craig Wilson, Craig Wilson, uh, from Costco, um, it, it, and this is all happening over the Thanksgiving holidays. They have some information that there are 19 people sick, seven states all associated with their product. Um, some really good um, info specifically from Montana, which seems to be the um, state that's uh, you know, most hit with, with illnesses. Montana Department of Health is doing some, um, some work on um, fine, you know, looking at um, 
uh, ingredients and they get a um, presumptive or no, a positive test on um, E. coli uh, uh, 0157 in the um, in a mixed bag of celery and onions. Uh, and, uh, and then Craig goes, goes public with this with, uh, an associated press and says, um, we, we know it's our, our stuff. Uh, and we believe, uh, based on this, this testing that this celery and onion mix, which Taylor farms made for us, um, is, uh, is the source. And mm. that is, this was different. So, so yeah, and now things have evolved. That was a week ago. Things have evolved a little bit more to, um, it seems to be narrowing down the focus on celery because there have been additional recalls associated with this celery and onion mix and then additional recalls of just celery products. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's like narrowing down to a commodity. It's I'm, I'm making, I'm making, uh, arm movements, which you can't see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, uh, I'm making, I, I will uh, like an hourglass, um. like, at the top, we have a lot of different things. It narrows down in the middle to a commodity, and then it expands again to where that specific type of commodity went. Yes. Um, but this naming a supplier doesn't happen, like from a from a um, commercial standpoint. I mean, well, because food safety is not competitive, Ben. It's not competitive. I, I don't know what that means or why I said it, but that's what we say when we when we when we ever we talk about stuff like this, right? And, and what does that what does that even mean, right? Oh but anyway, God. don't get me started. I'm, don't I'm, get me started. But oh. yeah, so so, but now what I wonder. So this is fantastic, right? That 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 Craig Wilson did this, but. What does that? What what do you think? And I'm sorry to interrupt your role. No. But what does this mean? What that he did this right? Like <sighs> like is he is he going to be shunned now? I don't know. Do you? So, um, there there are certain things that might have led to this. Maybe um, maybe the and, and this is all speculation. Don't we don't mm-hmm. know any of this stuff? But it could be that maybe there was a breakdown in the relationship between. Uh, supplier and buyer, where um, it was an important uh, message for for Craig to put this out there, based on how the communication and relationship was was evolving. Again, I don't know that, but that could have could have triggered it. Uh, um, it could be that um, that Craig wanted to and uh, sort of say, "Look, yeah, this is a Costco issue, but we are all involved in this. It is not, you know, we." Um, uh, and not to put words in his mouth, but this is this is you know again me thinking about what I would maybe say in this area. It's like we know that our products are involved, but hey, there's a whole bunch of people that are involved in the ingredients in this, and we want to make sure that everyone's clear right from the start that yeah, we bought it, yeah, we made it. The contamination it, it, what didn't start with us, but. And I hopefully responsibly, responsibly would say, but we still bought it, so we're we're definitely on the hook. But uh, Taylor Farms is also involved, right? Um, well, and what that does is it publicly puts out there that Taylor Farms supplied this onion and celery mix, and so, of course, if I'm a food company that buys stuff from Taylor Farms and specifically buys onion and celery mix, you can make darn sure that I am going to immediately look at what's going on there, right? Absolutely. Whereas if, if 
Craig Wilson had been quiet about that and had not revealed that information, then would those same people that buy that product have that same ultimately get access to that information? Maybe through back channels, right? I mean, and again, you know, never having worked in the real world. I don't really know how this works, but obviously there are, there's a lot of communication going on that, that the public is not privy to, but, right. but, you know, I can't help but think saying it publicly is, is a good thing, uh, you know, because I mean, Hey, here's the thing as, as it's, I'm looking at a food safety news article. Um, and it says Costco has only one supplier for those vegetables and chicken salad. Yep. And that is Taylor farms. So there's no doubt, right? I mean, I can understand not wanting to say something if you have multiple suppliers, but there's one supplier. And exactly. What what good does protecting that supplier's name do in, in the in the world of public health risk, right? Like this. So in a sense, you know, we started this conversation on the that ridiculous statement of um, food safety is not competitive. This is actually a demonstration where. Maybe someone in the industry says, yeah, well, if this isn't competitive, then I'm going to tell everybody what's going on mm-hmm. because we it, it's important that our com, our competitors, other suppliers know uh, the, the source is this. We got to get this product off the uh, off the market and then let's go all together and figure out where where the contamination happened or what the what the problem is. And this the scope of the out, or the scope of the recall has been um you know, large. I'm just looking at the FDA um, website uh, where they have uh, the recall announcement, and you've got Walmart's, you've got Raley's, you've got Target, Save Mart, Albertsons, Safeway. I mean, the the big um, retailers, King Super, who I don't know, but sounds like a great name, and then and Costco, and then you go, and that's that's on just the you know, fresh trays with celery on them, um, all the way to celery diced and sandwiches that might have been used to made with um, celery and onions, like a, a Vaughn's chicken and hummus snack. Um, and then, then you see other uh, companies, Starbucks had a recall um, yep. related to this yesterday, yep. Yep. which Sorry. we, yep. yeah, which we, fo- we follow, I think mainly because we, uh, are uh, uh, decent customers of the Starbucks brand? I, I've had I've had two Starbucks beverages today, both today. out of the same cup. Ooh, because well. <laughs> I, I made a via um, in in my cup from this morning. Oh, excellent! Good, good. So, so that you know, this this is a real, it's kind of an interesting one, but it's the um, and I. You know, I know I know who Craig is. I'm, I'm sure mm. I, you know. I'm, I've met him. Mm. We don't know each other. Um, this this is a little different than what we've seen uh, from from a buyer and supplier kind of situation. And I wonder if this is like strategy, not strategy, but just knowing how things have gone in the past. Because Costco has been associated with, um, with with outbreaks. I mean, that's you know they, they had a an outbreak linked to. Um, uh, some rotisserie chickens. Uh, I think it was uh, it was Campy on rotisserie chickens or Salmonella on rotisserie chickens that were cross contaminated. Um, that you know they're they're no uh, um, they're not a new person to the world of being involved in an outbreak and then dealing with the fallout. Maybe this is just like you know what we know that we're going to get into a lawsuit into a blame situation. Let's just be clear right from the start. Uh, everyone who might be involved. I'm not you know and, and I don't see them. I don't see Craig sort of passing the blame and saying this is purely a Taylor Farms issue. I mean, I think some some folks might be reading into that, um, but it is it is a um, 
you know, let's let's peel back the um, the curtain on the supply chain and let's get you know all the parties who are involved. Let's get them all involved right from the start. Right. Uh, yeah. This the sense is, and again, I haven't read all of the media on this, but this I don't get the sense that he's wanting to shift the blame. Right. No. It's like I think yeah. Costco Costco sold the product. Costco put their name on it. Costco has. Uh, it chooses who their suppliers are, right? They they choose the degree, the scrutiny that they're going to put those suppliers under. They set the standards that those suppliers have to meet, right? They're they're responsible for all of that. But at the same time, this problem happened, and it was linked to this product from this other company. So yeah, it, yeah, and I, I I bring up the blame shift because, and that you know, none of that's been sort of talked about publicly. But I did a couple of interviews where some media folks asked that question and i was like i don't i don't think so i mean the question was do you think that this is costco shifting the blame to taylor farms i'm like i don't read it that way um you know exact for exact the exact reasons you you talked about so people are i guess asking the question Um, and that's and that's good right i mean people should be skeptical and and we should be sensitive to the fact that that companies may want to shift the blame but that is not the right thing to do The, the right thing to do is to accept responsibility and 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 also point out where the problem came from yeah absolutely it's an interesting i you know i don't i keep using that word we use it a lot on the podcast it's interesting to you and i it's notable because this is a new approach a new situation and and in fact I, I think back to an outbreak um way back way back in the day from before i moved to the u.s and canada and it was a an outbreak of um uh, salmonella that was linked to hershey's chocolate uh from a hershey plant in uh smith smith's falls smith's falls uh, ontario which is close to ottawa and um it, the contamination was linked to soy lecithin, you know, not a surprise in our um, in our world of uh, low moisture food. Uh, and this go, this go back, goes back to 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, CFIA, Canadian Food Inspection Agency, Hershey's, no one, when asked who the supplier was, would disclose that information. Yep, yep. That was bad news. Like that yes. was. Yes, I why not disclose it? Yeah. Right? And yeah. especially for for this exact reason why, you know, you and I think that maybe Craig disclosed it. it's like cuz there's other people that might be buying this stuff who right. should know and maybe switch up you know, ingredients switch suppliers for that ingredient until um you know, until it's all it's all sorted. Uh I just you know, I just couldn't you know, I don't like it when when there's regulators that protect the industry are sort of hide behind. We can't release that information um, because of you know it, it harm to business or or whatever. It's not public information, um, and so that I mean that's even more to me egregious than than the industry kind of sitting on it. And here we have someone in the industry who's who may have some other agenda, don't know anything about it, but did something that really others could look at and say, you know what, maybe we should we should back off. Well, and maybe maybe this when we'll we'll only know when as we go forward into the future and we see what happens in other incidents like this. But th- maybe this could be an indication of a change, right? It's like right. change happens, and and there's somebody has to be first. And maybe maybe this is maybe Craig Wilson is is the first one, and he started a trend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting stuff on uh, you know just Taylor Farms. Taylor Farms are really big. Uh, um, 
big company. They've had some some issues in the past. They've got they've had salmonella uh, with baby spinach uh, with with other leafy greens, um, and and so you know who knows I, I, the, one you know the questions that that always get. Uh, Brought up and it's and it's similar around Chipotle, which we talked about on the last episode a little bit, uh, and and their outbreak of being linked to you know supplier somewhere. It calls into the question of how do we verify that suppliers are doing things and what does that even mean and um, you know this this area of audits and and I mean it's just a whole ball of uh, of stuff that that we continuously come back to because of the complexity of the food system and the, the fact that um, companies like Costco need a lot of, so like they need a lot of celery and, and, and onions to make all the chicken salad that they do all across, um, you know, North America or the world or, or wherever. And so that means that as their suppliers, Taylor farms, they got to get it from lots of different places. And so we have this like big, you know, nodes in the supply chain that 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 um, that makes it difficult for verifying that people are hitting standards. I mean, that's that that, and you know, that's something that um, the Food Safety Modernization Act is is supposed to help with, and it's something that that you know, it's nothing new and revolutionary. But again, time and time again, when we look at these outbreaks that are linked to suppliers, we still don't have really clear ideas on how what's the best way to do that. And you know we 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 t- wrote this paper a few years ago about audits and and inspections, and and it you know the paper was really okay. Well, audits and inspections aren't enough, right? That's and that's it was it's easy kind of easy for us to say. We provided a few solutions, but or potential solutions, but but I think we're we're now ready to have larger conversations about well, how do we how do we increase this or how do we make that system better um, and not impact the cost of food drastically. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's complex, Don. There's lots going on. It is. It is. And, and we should say, um, you know, again, a couple of, a couple of big, big events that have happened would be the release of the, the, the produce rule. Right. Uh, right. And, and that is certainly, um, you know, now we're going to look at like what's going to happen because of that. So, so, and you know, and we just, you just returned from a meeting in Washington D.C. from the Preventive Controls Alliance, looking at what's going to happen with rolling out of that training, and that is really, you know, really seems to be starting to ramp up. And so, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time in the next, uh, I would say, the next decade uh, for food safety with all the changes going on. Yeah, and I, I had a email conversation as, as you do. With um, with Doug and um, and Ron Ron Schmidt, a retired fun micro dude from uh, the University of Florida, and and I'm sure he wouldn't mind you know sort of sharing. We we talked about um, something that I want to talk about in a minute: bearded mm-hmm. dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but and and Fizman, and one of the things that the as I, as I sat at the prevent controls. Uh, alliance um, meeting yesterday. I, I think that curriculum-wise and training-wise, we've created something that that can help businesses make something, make food safety plans, and, and make food safer. Um, the enforcement side of things on on inspection still really hasn't been released on on how FDA and states are going to do that. But 
I think many of the big companies that get food safety are already doing preventive controls. And they're doing HACCP and they're doing stuff well above and beyond HACCP. And and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good folks out there that that had the right systems in place, um, and we have a lot of smaller places that this is going to be a, a different way to look at things, and they're going to have to go through this training, and maybe they'll create some food safety plans. But I still think we're going to have trouble with do they actually do it. And both both sides, both large and small. It's like we we can train people to to have the best systems and give them all the you know. Tell them you need to identify hazards and tell them that you've got to come up with preventive controls and and give them lots of resources to do that. But the the um, I don't know what cliche to use here. The rubber meets the road. The rubber the tires hit the whatever. When when people actually do it. And, and I don't know if that I don't I don't know I'm still like jaded or cynical that that the <clears throat> that people are going to do things differently because the law changed I don't know I, th- I think that I think the analogy you're looking for is when the fingers peel the bearded dragon skin yes <laughs> so let's so let's transition okay <laughs> and and then and then i want to i want to come back with a, a recent story um relating to the extension work uh with folks out in the counties which i want to get your perspective on but so so we should so let me set this up and let me tee this up as we say um so what, what we're talking about here is a warning letter that fda issued to uh those those crazy folks at golden state nut llc and this is this is a like kind of a standard FDA warning letter until you get partway through this warning letter and and it, it kind of very very quickly goes off the rails um, and I will read to you the interesting paragraph in this warning letter as follows um, and we will link to this in, in show notes two swabs collected from the inside of the reptile enclosure in your office yielded salmonella. During an interview in your office located within the packing facility, our investigators observed you holding a bearded dragon reptile and peeling off its skin with your bare hands. Following this interview, you were seen touching shelled walnut meats with your bare hands without first washing your hands. Reptiles are known reservoirs for salmonella. Now, you know, that's an interesting paragraph it's constructed in an interesting way it's not the way i would have written the paragraph <laughs> but um yes uh so hmm uh so there's some good information here um the uh the the, the swabs in his office it's the swabs in the reptile enclosure had salmonella the reptile enclosure is in his office the office is in the packing facility <laughs> The the the, uh, the the person is touching the reptile with his bare hands. The person is not washing his hands. The person is touching shelled walnut meats. Um, yeah. So um, my my advice would be to all of those plant managers that currently have bearded dragon reptile enclosures within their office within their packing facilities would be to get rid of them. <laughs> right. Right. Um. I, I have two things for you. <laughs> okay. One, okay. So one one is um, also so that during this investigation, um, they they took a hundred environmental swabs. Three of them came back with salmonella. Two of them from the enclosure. One from a cross beam directly above the belt where all shelled walnuts exit the shell cracker. 
Um, <clears throat> also in, in a paragraph or in, you know, the, um, Warning letter says, our investigators observed debris falling from this cross beam directly into the belt below where walnuts exit the cracker during operation. All cra- cracked walnuts pass under this cross beam. So, so we've got Simonella in two places. Not surprising. Maybe, though, not even connected. Right? Like, right. Well, and my, and my question is, did have these been typed and right. are they the same organism, right? Are they, or is it just unrelated? And, and so that, that, this raises an incredible question for us on warning letters and regulatory action. Does the typing matter for regulatory action? Not at no. all. No. Nope. Doesn't and, matter a bit. And that's why we'll never know that. But for us, in being able to change behaviors and being able to have better systems and convince people that this is a problem, we absolutely need those types, right? Like, like the the regul this, this is um, a frustration that you and I have talked about um, as it relates to zero tolerance on listeria. And um, certain things where people are doing the hard work of collecting the samples, physically going there, collecting the samples, uh, transporting them correctly, that, that part's hard. Once we get the, the sample back to a laboratory, um, we can do so much more with it, but it's outside of the scope of what the government needs to do with it, so they don't. So we don't know on the Listeria side of things, presence, absence is all that matters. From us trying to put in risk mitigation steps and actually come up with risk management decisions and to better construct risk assessments, we need to know enumeration. Doesn't matter, though, for the regulatory. This exact same thing here where this is the, this is a fantastic story. It's really great. Don't bring reptiles into your facility. But we have a much more complete story if we know what the types are. Well, and the other thing is this is this is a warning letter based on an inspection, right? It but there's no illness associated with these walnuts. Nope. Right? There's the, well, as far as we know, we know right? Yeah. Again, this and this comes back to the issue of typing. It's like, well, okay, so if we knew the the detailed the, the detailed fingerprint of this salmonella, then we could match it to other we could match it to salmonella from people that got ill, and then we could ask those people whether they've eaten walnuts, whether they've had contact with bearded dragons, because you know it could it could be, could be. Yeah. that I mean, and we have had we have had outbreaks linked to reptiles, right? We've had a- outbreaks linked to chicks that are sold, um, you know, around holiday time. Um, we've had outbreaks linked to pet foods, and so it, until you get that that specific information, you don't you don't know where where it might lead you right Absolutely. so but and the bottom line is it doesn't matter if it leads nowhere right if if the if the type let's say the 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 type on the on the environmental sample above the 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 walnut cracker um it doesn't match any outbreaks and the bearded dragon doesn't match any outbreaks doesn't matter this is still a bad thing the facility still needs to address this but it would be so much more interesting if we could try to connect the dots and see if it if there's any other illnesses linked to those that type or those types of salmonella absolutely Uh, yeah that that's it it's it's frustrating because we'll you know you and i can talk about it i i think it's and and our partners our friends within the regulatory environment either at fda or at states they would want to do it they're just i think often handcuffed because that's not their that's not their um mandate is to help complete that that story. You know what I mean? Like, well, like I think well, there's. It's, 
it's it's not it's not the mandate of um, the the part of FDA ORA that goes out and does inspections, right? But obviously, some laboratory somewhere had to determine that these samples contain salmonella, and I can only imagine that what is happening is that those are being typed somewhere. And if we never hear anything, it's because they didn't match anything. And if they do match something, and it turns out to be an investigation, then we will we will learn more. Right. 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 And and I do I wanted to. Um, to point out that you'd mentioned we've had outbreaks associated with, um, you know, reptiles and turtles and chicks. We There's actually um, a multi-state outbreak associated with bearded dragons in 2014, 166 cases in 36 states. And it was Salmonella cotham and Salmonella um, cassarawi. So, so we even have, you know, in the, in this growing day of, whole genome sequencing um, and typing, I, you know, I, I hope that this kind of stuff is going on. And I, I, I know, I know what you're saying on, um, if we don't hear anything, it wasn't, there wasn't a match. We almost kind of need to know that, right? Like just to confirm it. It seems like we should, if there wasn't anything and there wasn't a match, just put it on a website somewhere. Well, we, but, but the question is, when do you do that? In other words, like, like, like right where, now. like, well, before well, we do the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I know some people. Yeah. I know I know fewer people at FDA these days since Don Zink retired. But I know some people at FDA. Uh, we should just tell them because we got a podcast to do. We got podcasts. We're not going to ever publish it, but we got to we got to do it. Yeah, the people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just let us just just tell us. Help us with the stories. Yeah, yeah. Because the stories. Cause I love my stories, Ben. My sto- I got I got me some stories. The stories matter. And this bearded dragon one is a really good story, right? Like it, mm. it has all of the components um, that are needed in storytelling. We've got um, a, a weird pet. Um, someone is peeling skin, which is one of the great graphic surprises that I think I can um, – I, I couldn't even think about. I couldn't make that up. Um, uh, in a discussion yesterday about this with uh, uh, one of uh, 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 a unnamed colleague of ours, um, the thought was, well, what was he doing with the skin? Did he then eat the skin? Was he throwing it on the ground? All this stuff goes into the potential story. We can paint the narrative that that ends up in, you know what? It's probably not a good idea to have bearded dragons in your food facility. Um, but let me, the second thing I wanted to talk to you about this specifically is mm-hmm. in, in my preventive controls hat, so, yeah, it's not a great idea to have bearded um, dragon, but mm-hmm. if I really love bearded dragons, and mm-hmm. I was like a bearded dragon uh, aficionado where mm-hmm. I had um, – some of them had red beards, some of them had black beards, some of them uh, very closely shaved beards. I don't know I don't know enough about bearded dragons to really um, do this justice, but if I had – and they were my companions and I had to have them at my place of business – I really could put in some preventive controls for it. Like, it's not a good idea, but it's not to say that you couldn't control for it. Now, I, my guess, based on this investigation, is they weren't controlling for a lot of things. Um, here at uh, um, Gold State Nut LLC, Mr. Greg Baines. Um, but, you know, think about what kind of a food safety plan you would have for your walnuts that includes this extra added hazard of salmonella coming from your bearded dragons in your um, in your office, if you absolutely needed to do it, because I'm I am of the mind, Don, that if people really want to make food safe, they can do it. There are hazards that are there. It's just a lot harder. It'd be a lot easier if they didn't have this bearded bearded dragon there. But 
they could include it in their food safety plan. Well, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I no, Ben, I would say no. Okay. Um, bearded dragons have no place in a food processing plant. What about <laughs> what if it's but if it's a support dragon? Yeah, it's support dragon. What if it's a um, what are the uh, I'm, I, what's the what's the right word? A service dragon. Service what if dragon. It's a service yeah. Dragon? Yeah. Do you know that there are spider monkeys that are service um, service animals? I did not know that. I know there are potbelly pigs that are service animals. And and again, you know, th- this is this is an interesting area uh, for discussion. <laughs> I'm not sure we're going to get very far with it because I I do. I mean, obviously, service animals are incredible and it's fantastic that people can have them and and that's good those are all good things um it's a little bit different to have a service animal come into a restaurant with a person versus a service animal that is in that person's place of work where that place of work involves yeah you know what i just convinced myself ben if if this person needed his bearded dragons as legitimate yeah. service animals and and had to have them in his office. Um, we should have a food safety plan. I've, I've uh, thank you. We, I've convinced myself of that. Okay, right. It's not going to be an easy food safety plan. Like right. Like that's that's where I'm where I'm going with this. Is it adds uh, this amazing level of complexity. Uh, but it does. I, someone could do it. It could be done. It could be done. All right. Good job. Good job, Good job by me. Good job, Ben. <laughs> Um, but it, what, I mean, what a, what a fantastic story. And I tried to make as many, um, inappropriate references to bearded dragons and tugging skin. And I mean, it was, it, it was because apparently we're 13. Yeah. It's all, it was all I could do and got immediate feedback from people on the interwebs that they thought it was very funny. So, and, and in fact, that's all I, all I'm looking for is like uh, dick and fart jokes. <laughs> It's my thing. I think you mean Richard and Fart. Richard and uh, Peter jokes. (laughs) Oh, good stuff. Good stuff with the bearded dragons. Um, there is there's something else I wanted to talk to. Okay. Yeah. So let me so let me let me give you a hypothetical, as we say. Um, I like this game. So my hands together, Don. It's not. I hear. I hear you. I hear you. Because I'm excited. So, let's say that you get a call from somebody in one of the counties, and this is a person in the county that does um, cooking demonstrations and workshops on helping people to eat healthy. Okay. And as part of this, they may go to a facility, perhaps it's a county office, perhaps it's some other public facility like a library, and they will teach a class on cooking. And so, for example, they might bring ingredients for a salad and they would tell people, okay, let's learn to uh, pick some different healthy ingredients and look at different, you know, nutritional choices. And then let's all make a salad with these ingredients, these fresh cut vegetables that I have prepared in my home and I have brought here. Or, you know, so let's let's do something that involves teaching you about food and about yes. nutrition, but that also involves some preparation either at the location or perhaps in the in the agents uh, the extension agents home prior to the workshop. The, my question for you is how would that be regulated or would it be regulated? And, 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 and please feel free to answer uh, 
as to what how it be, how it would be regulated in North Carolina, and then also please pontificate on how you think it would be regulated in New Jersey. Okay, so um, I have some some uh, follow up questions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a service, a, a public service that has been carried out through cooperative extension, I Right, assume. right. So let's assume it's cooperative extension. Let's assume it's not a for-profit venture. There may, be, there may be costs. There may be a, a nominal cost associated with the workshop to cover food materials. costs or your materials. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Materials, but yeah. Okay. So it's but, not for-profit. But, but I'm not and, – and I'm not um, – and, oh, and the other thing that I don't think you're um, – explicit on, but I assume is that they will eat this food at the end of it. Yes. There's definitely eating of the food at the end. Okay. Or, or even halfway through. Yes. 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 They don't have to wait until the very end. They don't have to wait until the end. Okay. There's so, um, so I've, I have a little bit of experience in, in this area and the way, um, that this would be regulated in our state is actually through a clarification memo of a cooking school. Oh, I, this is fantastic. Yeah. I love there's a clarification memo. There is a clarification letter of a cooking school. And if this was a cooperative extension venture, mm-hmm. this would be exempt because ah. cooperative extension is um, is a state organization. And if it was through the Department of Agriculture, it would be exempt from regulation. Ah. Now, if it was a for-profit cooking school, exact same setup, even if um, – if it was, you know, like not explicitly advertised that you would get a meal at the end of it, um, it would be regulated by a local health department. Um, it could be done in a home kitchen, but that home kitchen would have to meet uh, the same standards uh, that we would have for a temporary event. Um, so pets would have to be excluded from that home. Um, there would have to be uh, proper um <clears throat> FDA food model food code um, specific equipment for cleaning and sanitizing, you know, washware, hands, hands, hand sinks. I mean, all those stuff. Mm-hmm. You're basically a modified restaurant uh, type type setup, um, and and would be. But that that's if it was sort of advertised as you are learning skills and you will get to eat something at the end. Right. So like the so um, <clears throat> if it wasn't that, if there was if it was kind of like um, and it's a bit of a gray area, even with with us in, in extension, um, you are learning the skills of meal preparation and you do what you want with the stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. Right. Like not this isn't a this isn't a restaurant type venture. We're not selling food. Then that would be fully excluded from the law. So, so it kind of depends on how that food is paid for. And so um, what many people do, and because the way that you ca- categorized it of uh, you're not paying for the food, you're paying maybe for supplies, is separate the what payment comes for on materials uh, and then not, um, not sort of explicitly say, yes, and you can eat what we make at the end to, wow. to get around the loophole. Yeah, it's – I mean – in, uh, dealt with this a, a few times, but it's very common in like in a, in, in cooperative extension for us, mm-hmm. uh, as well as in places like summer camps or trackout camps. We have year round uh, school in, in Wake County mm-hmm. where there may be a cooking school uh, um, 
uh, cook, sorry, like a camp, a week long camp for kids where they learn how to cook. That is not through any of the state agencies. It's at a restaurant or it's at a catering company or, or somewhere. Um, and it's, and it's offered. Uh, and, and, and so the difference would be if it says lunch is included, now you're regulated as a restaurant. If it doesn't say that, um, now, um, it's, you know, it's not clearly food for pay, which would make it unregulated. Wow. Yeah. I, and in New Jersey, I bet every township borough gets to make the decision on how they regulate. It. Oh, you're so smart, Ben. New Jersey is a home rule state. Okay. And there is, in fact, a Wikipedia entry on home rule in the United States. Um, So apparently, um, New Jersey uh, is a home rule state. North Carolina is, according to Wikipedia, a limited home rule state. Um, uh, Is it a Dillon's rule state? New Jersey is not a Dillon's rule state. I don't know what that is. I don't know either, but it's in Wikipedia. (laughs) So, um, and so basically... um, I'll read from Wikipedia because people love it when we do that. In the United States, the legislative authority granted to local governments varies by state. In some states known as home rule states, an amendment to the state constitution grants cities, municipalities, and or counties the ability to pass laws to govern themselves as they see fit as long as they obey the state and federal constitutions. Okay? And that is the case in New Jersey. Um, I actually put a call in to uh, Bill Manley who managed – and so in, so in New Jersey, if this was going to be regulated in New Jersey, uh, this would be regulated under Chapter 24. Um, which used to be called Chapter 12, um, but then they updated it and and, it, and they doubled it. <laughs> so this one went to 24. They, they doubled, down, doubled down. They doubled down and doubled up. Um, like a doubling down would be like six. That's true. <laughs> but, um, so it, if it was going to be regulated in New Jersey, it would be regulated under Chapter 24. And I spoke to, to Bill Manley, who's the, the guy in the State Department of Health that, that regulates this. And he had a, a bunch of interesting questions that didn't occur to me. And one of his questions would be, how often does this happen? Is this a one-off? Ah, a um, temporary event? You know, is it, is it being organized on a state? Exactly. And his thing was, well, if it was going to be regulated, you might regulate it under the temporary events rule. And, then, and so what, but what it netted out to – is at the end of it, he's like, well, what I see, I don't think it would be regulated. That's my opinion as, as the, the, the guy in the state, you know, in the state office. But what the educators should do is they should figure out who their municipal health authority is and then inform them that they are going to do this and yeah. get assent basically that they, that they do not need to follow the, the rules. Confirmation. So, yeah, exactly. Okay. So that, this is a great, great discussion because even with that, the, you know, we're talking about the regulatory requirement, but even with that, my, you know, I would want those agents, and this is how we've shared it with, with our state, I would want them to follow best available practices. Even though they may not be inspected, I would want them to have a proper hand washing facility. I would want them to not be um, using food contact surfaces that weren't clean, cleanable and sanitizable. Like almost adapting what is in the the model food code, or as it's not not the model food code, but as it's adopted here, we it's the North Carolina food code, the the twenty six hundred rule, uh, as it's known, uh, to that temporary facility within their home. Because I want, I would want them to have sanitizer that they're going to use. Like, I mean, they're uh, they're giving away food on behalf of Cooperative Extension, and and although um, they are likely not in, in our state, they're likely not liable. Um, 
if they, as long as they don't do anything negligent and if they don't follow the best available science, someone might look at that and say, well, they're being negligent. And then, then they're, and they're, they're representing the, the, um, the organization that is teaching people about food safety. Uh, so I've, I've, I've got a, uh, I mean, I, I guess a fairly strong thought on that, that whole thing there. And there has been, um, in Alabama, uh, earlier this year, maybe it was about a year mm-hmm. ago, uh, there was a, an outbreak associated with, uh, um, a 4-H event, uh, where an elderly woman, or maybe I'll find it while we're talking, uh, well, an elderly woman died and it was, um, food that had been prepared by a caterer in an extension center. Um, and, and really raised a whole bunch of questions for me that I posed back to our extension administration counties. Cause you know, you and I support those individuals, but we don't oversee them at, at all. And I don't want to oversee them. It's a whole different world of, uh, but, but being able to um, to give them sort of information and say, okay, look, this is how if you weren't in a cooperative extension, we probably would need to operate is a is where I've kind of focused on this. Right, and so my and my advice, um, which I, I sent in an email, was that well, first of all, the, the the educator should be prepared to tell the public health people, you know, the purpose of the training, the location, the frequency, the types of foods, et cetera, because th- obviously the types of foods matter. Um, and then my my advice was if. The, if local health does want to impose regulatory restrictions, I would work with the educator um, to to meet those. And I'm also going to assume that the since these are our county uh, agents in 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 all cases, these are people that are doing already doing food safety training. So I'm going to assume that they already know what the rules are. Um, but of course, and and they're very good. They're very they're very conservative. You know, in terms of they, they would never. It would be very unlikely they would do anything that would put uh, their uh, their clientele at risk. But and they know that I'm here to reach out to if, if they need advice on food safety. But I would say I would feel very comfortable eating foods that any of them had prepared in their own home because it's probably at least as safe as foods prepared that I would prepare in my own home. So, um, yeah. Well, yeah, good. Okay. Well, um, my I, I don't know. I guess my my take on it is. To, to take that to an extra step where they – to I, I just get worried. You know, I, maybe I just become more paranoid of this stuff where folks with the best intentions and with the best um, uh, education it still have issues. I mean look at – like and let's go back to what we were talking about earlier on the podcast with Taylor Farms and Costco. You know, we've got really good food safety professionals that are, that are involved in those organizations that they still have an outbreak. And if they – if you can't kind of like – I don't know, back it up or you know, prove or provide, here's exactly what I did to reduce risk. I, I think it leaves it open for um, questioning if there is you know, uh, uh, um, an illness. And, and that's where you know, I, I look at, and we'll link to this in the show notes, this uh, Alabama extension system, 19 sick, one dead, um, you know, an E. coli outbreak. Um, it, you know, they... Um, the quote here is as is customary meals were served during the conference with strict adherence to all procedures and regulations for health and safety. Um, I'd want to know more about what that means and then just be able to provide some backup, like depending on what the, what the, the food that is being prepared is, if they're pre-cooking something, I want to make sure that that individual who's doing it first has a thermometer 
and uses it and and then can demonstrate that they know what the right temperature is. And I, you know, I, I guess I'm, I, I make just like you, I make the assumption that absolutely they have that, but to be able to, to, um, to confirm that with some sort of data or document or procedure, uh, would be where, where I'd want to see it. And right. I hate to be such a like stickler on it, but well, and you know, and it's a good point and, and we'll link to the barf blog article cause it's a good one. Um, and, and other thing I would point out is that a private lab has confirmed three cases of E. coli and salmonella in the ongoing investigation. Right. That's a big screw up. When you get, when you get more than one organism, that means you've made a big mistake. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You made multiple mistakes. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. 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 So, um, and there was, uh, also, um, let me find this one. In Maryland, uh, maybe about five or six years ago, a 4-H event that uh, where a 4-H club had made, um, I think they killed deer by hunting them and made sausage into those deer and then froze that sausage and then served it at other 4-H events. There was also an E. coli outbreak associated with that. So my, mm-hmm. I'm... You know, after entering the cooperative extension world, I've become much more sensitized to to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so anyway, it's uh, yeah, it's great, great question, and it's something that that we um, that we've talked about. Um, yeah. So, so an, an outbreak of Salmonella infantis occurred among people attending a benefit pancake breakfast uh, March fifth uh, in twenty eleven in Thermont, Maryland. Um, the, the sausage and meat pudding were named as the vehicles of infect, of in, infection. These originated from a Frederick County 4-H camp center county butchering event. The sausage was confirmed to be contaminated with salmonella bacteria. That's the one you're thinking of, right? That's the one I'm thinking of. 2011. Yep. yep. So, um, so when I see those, I'm like, okay, let's be, let, let's learn from this. What kind of stuff did they, you know, we, people make mistakes, but this is when it's in with, with, when it's within our organization and we are wanting to be the trusted source of good food safety information, we have to, we have to at least meet what the law is, right? Like, and, and even if, even if we're not regulated, that's my, my, my thought, or, or at least meet the objectives of that law in case something happens and we can back it up and say, well, you know what, but, we, but. Yeah. But, but Ben, as is customary, meals were served during the conference with strict adherence to all procedures and regulations for health and safety. Right. What does that mean? What does that mean, Don? Well, it means that, that that's not true. Because if that was true, these people would not have got sick. Yep. Right? I mean, uh, well, I mean, I guess, again, we don't know anything don't about know. the food, yep. right? Right. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be meat-related because it's salmonella and E. coli, which means that, again, cross-contamination event? I, I, again, you know... Uh, and then in the, in the Barf Blog article, um, there's a lovely, I think, SpongeBob SquarePants image at the top. And then at the bottom is the uh, Cone of Silence, um, you know, from uh, Get Smart, which, again, you know, yeah. So what's, so what's going on, Alabama? Yeah. What's Nothing. going on? It went away. It just evaporated. I mean, really, mm. I follow it as much as, as much as I can. And that's the kind of stuff that's, that scares me. Not scares me. I mean, it's not like I wait up at night worried about it, but it's the stuff that I want to make sure I focus on within our own state. To and, and it's a, it's it's like a, a teaching thing that that we can use. Um, I do want to before we leave this, I want to mm-hmm. mention one one thing that's um, that we're working on where we we have a really good relationship in food safety with family and consumer science. Um, excuse me, agents. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're and, in their department, right? Well, yeah, it's a little or, not really. Okay, yeah, it, I'm their I'm their support person. Yes, um, 
technical development pro- programs, food safety stuff comes, you know, but they're not the only individuals in county, um, in county offices. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the things that, that I've heard over the years is they, they all, often have an uphill battle on their own fundraisers or events that are happening because although they're the ones that have all the food safety information, um, one agent sort of shared uh, with me, you know, without without names or, or locations, but um, there was a, an event where someone was cooking something and the agent had some concerns about how they were cooking and how long they were going to leave the food out. Um, and the individual who was an admin person in that county said, look, um, I know you might have all this fancy food safety knowledge, but I've been cooking like this since before you were alive, so back off. And no one's ever been sick. No one's ever been sick. As and so far we as have, I know. Right, right. So we so we have a a we have challenges. Yes, and that and that is uh, yeah, and that is that is typical. Again, yeah. I've never worked in a county, but that is my impression is that there there people can get along, but there can also be personalities, Ben. They, pe- right. And sometimes we um, we don't know uh, if uh, we we don't know how 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 well we're listened to sometimes. Indeed, right? indeed. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah. Oh, and I also want to say um, that um, Bill Manley called me. I left a message with Bill Manley. He called me back right away. Uh, Prior to calling Bill, I also called – I don't know if she's a friend of the podcast, but certainly a friend of the blog, uh, Michelle Samara Tim in Somerset County. And um, she did not call me back right away, uh, but she did call me back earlier in the podcast, and I did not take her call because I was doing a podcast. With me. With you. Yeah. I heard that we were doing a podcast today. (laughs) Yes, eventually. Eventually, we're going to do it at some point. Oh, we're so, doing it now. Yeah, yes, exactly. And so I figured it would be rude to uh, to take Michelle's call. Um, so so I did not take her call, but um, I will follow up with her later because you know I wanted to get Bill's perspective at the state level, but uh, it would also be useful to get Michelle's perspective at the county level as to you know what what one would do in that in that circumstance. So anyway, cool. uh, but that'll be a follow up for next time. Good, good, good. I liked it. I like those kinds of questions. I like the hypotheticals that that are real because yeah. I'm sure. There's other people that are dealing with this. Same well, stuff. and I, I'm just, I'm just ecstatic that there is a memo which I found on the internet based you on did. your description. I found yeah. the uh, the memo uh, from uh, Terry L. Pierce, director of the Division of Environmental Health, um, on cooking school uh, from the cooking school uh, workshop on cooking cl- schools slash classes. There you go. I so, love good stuff. I love the good memos. stuff. Yeah. Um, it is uh, as as I've. Uh, become more close with our friends in environmental health and do more and more training and support with them and sit on variances. Variances. It's really interesting. You know, every time I, 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 I love, um, I love our environmental health colleagues because they have the best questions. They have the best stories and they always have these, like they're rule, stickler for rules. They know the regs. We're operating under the 1976 food code. Uh, up until 2012, but it was with amendments and with uh, something like 160 memos that clarified those rules. <laughs> and so that's like one of those 160 memos. And I have a, I have a friend friend of the uh, of the podcast uh, um, who listens, uh, Veronica um, uh, Veronica Bryant, um, who. I, one of her tasks is to go through all these old memos and, and see which one of them are still which one of them are still applicable with our like current regulatory frame. 
So. Oh my gosh. And, and I also, I also, so first of all, I love the fact that you have 160 clarifying memos, but I, I also love the fact that you have uh, something that you call a point tw- Point uh, 2600 regulated establishment. Yeah. It says exempt activities cannot be commingled with the point 2600 regulated establishment. And that is not a typo. There is a, an actual type of establishment that is a decimal point followed by a two, followed by a six, followed by two zeros. That is, that is a thing in North that, Carolina. That is because the point 2600, or as it's known as uh, here, it is 18, uh, let me go, environmental health section rules. It is um, 15A. NCAC 18A dot 2600. 2600, of course. I, I, knew, I knew it was something like that. And that is, but, but, you know, 2600 for short. 2600, that's what we call it. It's the rules governing food protection and sanitation of food establishments. And if you uh, download it, you'll see that it is um, uh, actually the North Carolina Food Code. How about that? Yeah. I don't know what the NCAC stands for. Oh, well, um, I, you know, in New Jersey, it's the NJAC. So uh, oh. I'm assuming it is uh, something code. Uh, uh, yeah, something code. Law and CAC. Let's see. I don't know. Yeah. North Carolina um, Administrative, Administrative code. code. Yeah. There you go. Look at, look at us. We're like, we're like legal eagles. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie? Horrible. No, I just Horrible. I was just going to Google it. Yeah, uh, from uh, from the 80s. I remember watching it on cable. 1986, Robert Redford, Deborah, Deborah Winger, Daryl Hannah. Ah, it's a horrible, horrible movie. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Don't, ah, directed by Ivan Reitman. How could it be that horrible? <laughs> that was awesome. Indeed, how could it be? Love Ivan Reitman. Um, anyway. You know, Ivan Reitman went to McMaster University. That's in Canada. Is it really? He's Canadian. Huh. And his son, Jason Reitman. Love him. You know about him? I think you're thinking of Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. I also love him. Have you watched <laughs> Have you watched Arrested Development yet, Don? No, I haven't. I did watch the Adventure Time uh, pilot earlier today, though. Okay. Uh, you haven't watched Adventure Time yet, oh, have you? I haven't. I haven't watched it. Your kids like, will love that. I don't kids like the that. cartoons. You know that? Well, oh. your, ki- your, your kids will. Do it for the oh, kids, Ben. Oh, oh, oh. I got to tell you something about my kids. Yes. We have been watching Star Wars. in. Oh, the, in preparation? Yeah, in preparation for The Force Awakens, which Sam um, came home. Sam, our five-year-old, reported to us on the in, uh, like in the car on Monday that Benji in his class has already seen The Force Awakens. I think Benji's fibbing. I don't know. I said, Sam, I think he's watched the trailer. And he goes, no, he watched the whole thing. He watched Force Awakens. He said, he said it's out. We're like, no, it's not out. And he goes, Benji saw it. Benji. That kid. That kid. Um, so we watched over Thanksgiving um, episodes four, five, and six chronologically, one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack, both of them have viewed these these movies, and I say viewed because I don't think they watched them or took it in. I think they were really interested in the um, there are you know sword fights and guns mm-hmm. and spaceships. Mm-hmm. So watch Star Wars; they loved it. They were both you know I was sitting with them; they're like totally into it. Watched Empire Strikes Back, which is my favorite, by the way, dog. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, you know it's a turning point in the in, in that trilogy where. Mm-hmm. Darth Vader announces that, um, Luke, I am your father. No spoilers, Ben. There might be people out there that haven't seen it. <laughs> no, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Um, can I tell you that my son, who has seen the movie ten times, uh-huh. Jack, goes, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Yes. How? How is that possible? How did like and that like we had to pause it and talk about how did Luke not know that? Where did Luke go? Where like and I mean so it took us. This is the, like the fifth hour of Star Wars. And then I, we were like, I had to go back and be like, no, remember, you grew up in Tatooine with Aunt Beru and mm-hmm. Uncle Owen. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, how did he get there? What, how did he not know about Leia? Leia's his sister. Wait a second. This whole thing went down. Wow. It's awesome. Wow. It, he was totally engaged. Oh. Cool. I got, I got one more Star Wars thing uh, before, okay. before we move on. All right. Um, my friend Andy Binder. Andy is a... Um, Another uh, faculty member, uh, the associate professor at uh, NC State, uh, does a lot of risk communication. So all the risk communication, like BS that I talk about, I've really just copied from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he and I are uh, hockey buddies. Mm-hmm. We go. He doesn't play hockey, but we go to a lot of hockey games together. And what, at the last uh, hockey game, we were talking about Star Wars, and he's a he's a big like sci fi guy, and he told me. Um, in a committee meeting, actually, in Hannah Bollinger's committee meeting, ah. just to bring it back to you, mm-hmm. one of your former students, mm-hmm. uh, that there is a um, fan-edited Star Wars, um, ni- you know, nineteen seventy-seven, A New Hope mm-hmm. um, version that is the despecialized version. Yes, I knew. I knew. This? I knew about this from all of the nerd podcasts that I listened to. Yes. And do you know that I've never, because I was born in 1978, ah. I have never seen an an unde- like an unspecialized version because yes. Lucas started tinkering with it in 1978. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I, the, my uh, first viewing of uh, Star Wars was probably some like 1981 or 1982. Yep. Yep. Well, yeah, I've heard that the the nerds really like the despecialized version. I saw that. I I still remember. Sitting in the movie theater and seeing those words roll across the screen, um, yeah. So yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. And yeah, that's that's the canonical. You know, that's the version, right? That's the one you want to see. That's the one you want to see. It's. Um, I'm, I'm telling you that uh, Empire is my favorite. And and you know there are there are versions of the uh, episodes one, two, and three, the prequels, that are de Jar Jarified. You know that, right? Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Um, I am. I'm okay with Jar Jar. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. as blasphemous as to me as people think, because I think it's just a. Because um, you're really a racist. Well, that's <laughs> that's true. That that's clear. Uh, <laughs> I, I I was okay with I I like that. Here's here's why I'm okay with it. I, I it's just like if someone wants to edit one of my podcasts and I don't like or not my podcast my <laughs> blog post and I don't like it. Um, I, I kind of consider myself an artist like like George Lucas does, and. Yeah. Uh, and so that was what he was seeing. Go for it. Do what you want. Do what you want, Don. But don't be racist about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> only, only bit of follow up I would add is um, uh, your your son's friend Benji. Also, the title of uh, a, a hit movie from 1974 featuring a very cute dog. Right. Right. <laughs> ah, Benji, that kid. That kid's ruining everything for me. No one's seen The Force Awakens. No, he's wrong. He's wrong. He has. JJ Abrams has seen it. Mm, probably. Um. So, so there you go. Well, we, I don't know. What do you got? What's what's going on with you? What do you you got something else to talk about? Um, we should do a podcast someday. Yeah, we should do a podcast. Should we no, end this, uh, we should, uh, this one? I, I think I think we could, I would think we can end this one. I think we've uh, we've 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 gone from um, popular culture to food safety to bearded dragons back to popular culture, and that is and with home rule in our, the middle. With home rule in the middle, that is our that's our formula. That's the algorithm we use. 
Um, so it's uh, so we've we've completed the the circle of uh, food safety po- uh, talk podcast. Oh, speaking of, speaking of circle of life, I'm giving a talk. Uh, actually, I'm giving a lightning. This is interesting. One more thing. Um, I'm giving uh, I'm giving a lightning talk. So we have our extension annual conference, which has devolved into a one day meeting that's mostly just a holiday party. Um, don't tell anybody that, but that's what that's we do awesome. for our annual meeting. Um, and we have a specialist meeting that day, and I was tapped to give a lightning talk. Okay. Um, which is a basically a five-minute or ten-minute talk. Um, some people use slide templates that where the slides advance automatically, and I said there's no way I'm doing that, but I can certainly give a talk that lasts for five or ten minutes because I can read a clock and stick to a schedule because um, <laughs> I'm a grown-up apparently. Um, and at the end, um, I, talk, I tell the story, which I've told before on the podcast, about um, doing something uh, for the news media about um, – uh, uh, people buying foods from Jetro Restaurant Depot and putting them in the backs of their cars and driving them to their restaurants. And I talked about you know, how I was interviewed for that story. And then uh, somebody from Jetro knew somebody who called me on the phone and said, we want to talk to you about your interview. And then that turned into a, actually a project with them, which turned into a couple peer-reviewed publications, which also then had spillover into the emergency um, uh, guidance for CFP, and I talked about this whole thing as being like a circle. And the last, the last slide, spoiler alert, the last slide of my talk, uh, the title is Hakuna Matata, ah. <laughs> and and I have this this circle of life. Well, that's so, that's anyway. amazing. Good job. Thank you, thank you. And we'll see. And that was in less than five minutes just now. So I can probably I can probably do that uh, oh, on yeah. Monday. So I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do that on Monday. Good, good job. I have uh, we have our annual extension conference next week where I will be doing an update on emerging food safety issues, including bearded dragons. Awesome. I know. I'm going to do a circle of life quite, uh, uh, slide now too. You got me all. You got me all hooked. Awesome. All right, Don. Um, thanks for uh, for joining me. And yeah. The, well, th- uh, I'm glad I didn't have to strike. I know. I'm glad you didn't have to strike. We posted something. People are already downloading it. Um, Dan, Dan Latender, Latendra, that's the French pronunciation. Double Latendra, as we call him on the podcast. Don Latendra. Uh, he, uh, immediately said, uh, Hey, I'm sitting in an airport, which is when I, when I want to listen to you guys. How did you know? And so he's downloaded, he's listening, he's listening to us right now. It's very meta. Not this version. Nope. nope. Okay. And he'll hear that he was listening to us. Uh, Whoa. Sometime. Whoa. Mind blown. Awesome. Um, cool. So, uh, folks write us, uh, how, if you have feedback for us, um, go oh, and to the, the, yeah. And please, stuff. please, please do rate the show, rate the show in iTunes. Um, yeah. because that does help us, uh, find helps new people find the show. And, uh, yeah. So, so please, please do, please do do that. And, uh, and this has been food safety talk, um, with Don Schaffner and Ben Chapman. Thanks for joining us. And, Neil Young's probably playing right now. Oh, I love Neil Young. He's the best. Bye, Don. Bye, Ben.
Uh, Let's see if anybody's rated us in a while. It's my favorite end of show thing. Yeah. Ratings and reviews. We haven't really posted much in a while. Mm hmm. We've got a new one. Oh, read it. Read it. Well, I will. Let me see. It's from Lumilo7. I just wrote a Bible and my review didn't go. But again, this is a perfect way for you to update and open your mind in food safety. They're fun, smart, and with the perfect sarcasm that makes me laugh out loud when I'm driving or jogging and listening to them. I'm a veterinarian who works in this area and love to discover them here to learning, uh, here to learning in a fun way. Thank you, Ben and Don, for the well-done work. Wow, that is that is high praise, and I have to say, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and occasionally I do laugh out loud. In fact, I was listening to the latest episode of Roderick on the Line, and and literally laughing out loud um, uh, today. And so that makes me really so. Thank you, um, podcast reviewer person, Lumalo yeah, Lumalo um, Seven, Seven, um, for sharing that. That's that just warms my heart because uh, that's what I do when I listen to my favorite podcast. So so thanks, really, we really appreciate it. And please do, please do go and rate rate the podcast uh, in iTunes if you have not done it. Uh, it does it does help us find new listeners and it, it makes us feel good. Yeah, yeah, it does make us feel good. Hey, do you know that there's a, a Twitter uh, handle called Food Safety Talk? No. Yeah, it's not us. <laughs> oh man. You know what's crazy about Food Safety Talk? They, I don't know who it is. Um, we talk about food control and safety. Um, they have 6,500 followers. They've got to be all robots. Whoa. Maybe they think they're following us. That's weird. They're also following 7,000 people. But that's definitely not us. No, it's not us. Weird, weird. I don't know where this is coming from. Anyway, we... Uh, it's coming from inside the podcast. Yeah. Um, the, but they also post things like ISIS magazine claims Hyatt Budiman is in Syria. Weird. Yeah. Oh, so. you know, they're not even active. Their last tweet was 189 days ago. They're awful. <laughs> hmm. well, you know what? I they can't don't believe have? we didn't get that Twitter handle. I know. We don't need it. We, what they don't have is a... They don't have a podcast. I can tell you that. Yeah, exactly. And they don't have a blue check mark. So they're not even a real food safety talk. Not been, <laughs> not been verified. Uh, um, what else do I know about food safety talk? Hey, I, I, we got a nice little uh, food safety talk. Uh, um, we, we didn't talk about this in the podcast, but the nice little plug in um, Life Hacker to, for food safety oh, talk. Oh, that's and, nice. Uh, yeah, I did. I did a re- like actually. One, you know, I, I think I talked about this on the last podcast that I'd done an interview with Lifehacker. I was about to, and it, they asked all really great questions about. Uh, I had texted you a little bit about this. They were asking questions about. Um, okay, we want to push the envelope on um, cooking our turkey. We know 165, mm-hmm. but we also know that mi- microbes are destructed in both combination of time and temperature. So tell us how to do that. Like really good stuff, and then they made reference to Prof Blog and um, Food Safety Talk, which was cool. Oh, really, that's, cool. that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah and we got a, we got a very nice shout out on a recent at the end of a recent um, uh, back to work. Yeah, so, which reminds me, we gotta we gotta we gotta do jerky in the new year. We, we got we gotta we gotta get the episode with Dan posted. Yeah, that's still that, in who the is that? Queue. Is that yours? Is that I, don't, I don't I don't even know anymore. Okay, I'm like I'm literally gonna do this today. I gotta I'm, I'm, enough is enough. All right. Enough is enough, Don. You you push. I'm Too much of everything on, is know? just enough, huh? I, yes, <laughs> everything is just enough. Just I'm pushing on you now. So get episode right. eighty four up. All right. 
Do it this afternoon. I could. I, well, yeah. I, I could. I could work. On, I could work on it. I'll, I'll do my best. Okay. And then well, let's get it. Let's get her all done. Get her. Get her. Get her done. Yeah. Hey. So that's a Larry the Cable Guy joke. All right. All right. We'll uh, talk to you later. All right. Bye, Ben. Bye, bye.